Good afternoon and good evening to the rest of you. We are back for another episode of Bitcoin Magazine Live. It is I, your host, Q, coming to you yet again from my mom's basement. And I'm joined by Brian Armstrong lookalike. Alex McShane is my co-host. And we are joined by special guest today, Texas Slim. Texas Slim, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Q. Thanks for uh, having me on again, and good to see you. It's great to have you on. I can see Alex's frustration with the Brian Armstrong jokes is waning thin at this point. But We're getting very old at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Joke will never die. Keep it going in the chat, guys. But in the meantime, I wanted to dive in with Texas Slim on what exactly is the Bitcoin beef initiative that you and your team have been drumming up from the ground floor? Yeah, it's uh, the beef initiative right now is uh, we're doing education. We're basically uh, we're promoting things. We're a promotion company. We're a production company. We're a lot of things. What we are is about a lot of awareness. I started everything with the beef initiative with a uh, news uh, a sub stack and it was called the harvest of deception. And what it was based on was basically the industrial food complex and kind of where we are within our food supply, how it's basically processed, where it comes from, starting from the soil up. And so with that education, we've evolved into, I'm from Texas, uh, we're from cattle country. So I, I decided to call something the beef initiative. And what that is, is getting some awareness to basically how screwed up our human health is in the United States of America. Um, how many um, corruption models are within our food industry itself, how it is used as a weapon against us and as a drug against us. And with it, within that education, you have to have a solution. So the beef initiative is basically tying the consumers back into the ranchers themselves. We're cutting out all the middlemen and we're decentralizing animal protein and we're doing it with a Bitcoin nar narrative and basically the ethos of what Bitcoin is all about. It's a new store of value for both the rancher, the animal producer, and the consumer themselves. We've uh, got it to where we're selling beef now and we're doing it decentralized and we're accepting Bitcoin for beef. And I don't believe a lot of people are able to do that at this point because they do not have market access to those ranchers. And so we've got a lot of ranchers that have come on board that are joining it. They're educating themselves on Bitcoin. We're about to announce a, basically an education series for the ranchers. So this has kind of been a really good bridging gap of communication, of uh, lifestyles, of market access to food. And so it's pretty broad, but that's kind of a general understanding. So do you want to get into for people who are born like my co-host here, live their whole lives in a city? What is a rancher? What do you do? Well, if you look at, uh, we'll just say state of Texas, you know, because that's where I'm from. So being from Texas, um, I grew up eating beef. So the guys that steward these animals that take care of them and basically, you know, bring them to your table is a rancher. They basically raise cattle. So they're cattlemen. And uh, back in the day, it wasn't that big of a mystery, but as much as our food systems and supplies have been so centralized that really people don't even understand where beef comes from. They kind of, they, it comes from a factory. That's what they know. And so there's a lot of education in understanding what a rancher is, what an animal producer is, what a grass farmer is. A lot of grass farmers are animal producers. All of our meat and our protein come from the soil and it comes from those, uh, those minerals from that soil. And that's where we get our strength. That's where we get our protein. So there's a lot of education in understanding what a rancher is and what beef is and what animal protein is and basically the best source of that that you can get. So do you have other crops besides grasses to feed your cattle and sell? Well, I mean, it, it, that's a broad question. I mean, of course, we have grains. You have you have all kinds of different uh, edibles. You know, you have forage. You, you can raise cattle on anything that is edible, that is basically, you know, comes from the soil, that is something that they've always evolved into doing. You know, before we had cattle, we had bison in the United States. We had millions and millions of bisons, and they they went across the Great Plains and they ate all the grasses that were across the Great Plains. So being a rancher, there's a lot of ways to be a rancher, geography, locations of country where you are. In Texas, you know, there's a lot of grass. There's a lot of grasslands. A lot of people have to do a lot of grain uh, feeding of 
cattle. As we've grown, that's become a dependency for the rancher that it got so centralized it now it's under the umbrella of Monsanto, Bear, Cargill, these feed and seed companies that basically are chemical companies. And so looking at the beef initiative, we're educating what a regenerative farmer rancher is. And that's it kind of goes in the territory, you know, it starts with the source of the seed of where this grass comes from or this feed comes from, not from a chemical company, but from the ground up. Do you want to talk about some of the regenerative practices that your your cattle partake in, especially when it comes to like crop rotation and stuff like that? Well, what you're doing is uh, the best way to look at this is you, you have acres and acres that you have that are natural, you know, grasslands, let's say. What a regenerative farmer rancher will do is he'll let those cattle or those animals, it could be sheep, it could be goats, it could be a lot of different uh, animals that graze those grasslands and forage. And so what you do is you do section by section and those animals will become the land tools of that grass. And what they'll do is they'll eat the grass down to a certain level, but they won't uproot the grass because the root systems in the soil is what's very important. So you keep the root systems basically intact. You let the land tools graze on that land, and then you'll move them into different sections of that land. Therefore, the soil keeps on growing. The grass keeps on coming back, and they basically become somewhat of a, a routine. And that's how you grow land or soil, and that's how you grow grass, and that's how you grow animal protein. And we've always done this. We just got off track, you know, within, <laughs> I always just like to, it, it, it happened before 1971, but whenever the dollar became debased, this is when these chemical companies came in, we were doing basically bombs during World War II. And then we got into fertilizers and we got into pesticides. And then we got into genetically modifying seeds. We got into a way that we said, hey, we can feed the world with this type of new crop systems. Well, that eliminated a lot of the regenerative farming and ranching in, in the United States. But that's how my grandfather did it. And that's how all of our grandparents did it was a regenerative way. We got off base after 1971 really bad. Eric Butts of the Nixon administration said, you're going to go big or you're going to go home. And that's when we started monocropping our lands tilling up the land and not really using the soil like we had done for hundreds and thousands of years before now. And so it comes to the point where this type of uh, monocrop farming and ranching with the pesticides, herbicides basically killed the soil. We're coming up to uh, a decade now that there's going to be a mass movement to try to hide that fact, or there's going to be a mass movement such as the Beef Initiative. It's going to say, hey, you're going to look back at history and you're going to see how we used to do it. This is the best thing for your health. This is the best thing for the soil. It's the best thing for the land. It's the best thing for our nation. And it's definitely the best thing for Bitcoiners. Do you want to, do you want to talk about how the government offers subsidies or tries to influence how you as a rancher, if at all, uh, farm your land? Well, <laughs> as we've moved forward, I mean, most of uh, cattle, everything's commodity markets, you know, grains, commodity markets. There's so much manipulation, basically subsidizing everything that is, is basically around our food system per se. Um, you can go up to a lot of, and, and there's a lot of ranchers that you, it's not calling ranchers out here. It's not calling anybody. There's no judgment here. It's just, we're here because we're here, but you can talk to, I'd say, I'd say 10, 10 ranchers that have to follow something and they're basically under the USDA because you have to, if you're under that umbrella of USDA, you're going to have to have an insurance policy. And I, I usually ask ranchers, I say, where's the store value of your cow now? You know, it used to be in the cow and it used to be in the land itself. And it was something that you can leverage and saying, Hey, I've got enough land or I've got my cattle are healthy. I've got enough cattle to where I can leverage them throughout this year. And, and basically they're going to be a store of value that I can rely on. I think without within the last 10 to 20 years, basically the store of value of our cattle industry has become to where most of the time it's going to be in that USDA insurance policy. 
if you don't have that USDA insurance policy, you're going to be up a creek, man, because you're not going to have that leverage. And it does get subsidized. There's rules and regulations that are associated with this insurance policy. If you do not follow the insurance policy of something like uh, something that Monsanto created, what's called the technology use agreement. If you don't follow that TAU agreement, basically you can't sell your crops or you can't grow your feed for your cattle. You can't do certain things under those USDA insurance policies. So you're basically, your means to an end is to follow that USDA insurance policy because it's based on loopholes, subsidies, and a lot of damn corruption. And, and uh, ranchers are trying to get away from that umbrella to where they're not relying on the USDA insurance policy. They're not relying on any chemicals. And what they're doing is they're letting the land be able to be regenerated, grown, the soil to get healthy again, and use the land tools to do that, and therefore have a beef industry in which we came from. That's where Texas came from. It was from the soil and it was from the cattle. It all started in 1878 in the state of Texas. And at that time, after the Civil War, we fed a nation. And that's where Texas came from. Well, that's what we're going to bring a new awareness is that we're changing the model. We're going and we're decentralizing the beef industry in the state of Texas. We're going to do it with a regenerative protocol that's going to have a store of value called a Bitcoin. Bitcoin protocol. And we're going to basically marry the two and we're having a lot of successes doing that right now. So uh, for yourself, I guess, when did you get involved in Bitcoin and maybe when did you first trade, you know, value for value and receive uh, Bitcoin? First time I, I, I got into Bitcoin. Point lately, just like everybody else. I mean, I knew about it even back in 2012. I was in a different place and everything, but I, I dabbled in it a little in 2017. I had some family issues. And I didn't really get into Bitcoin per se as, as heavily as I am now until right before COVID. I'd gotten hurt. Um, I'm, <laughs> I've had a lot of injuries, a yeah, pretty uh, rough and tumble guy, but I kind of had an internal injury and I started looking at Bitcoin as the same time I was looking back into food. And it became something that I started doing together. It's like, I want to get, understand what nutrition is again, because my internal injury was like a portal bang collapse and say, man, I really got to look at my nutrition. And so as I did that, I started studying Bitcoin and I started seeing some similarities of ranchers and decentralization and stores of value. So the education went hand in hand and I come from agriculture and ranching and it really was a fun experiment to go into it together and, you know, started to basically acquire Bitcoin and basically learning how to hodl, you know, store value, just basically self-custody. And then we came to a point where I knew that the rancher really was not going to be somebody that um, would go out there and buy it at first, but they wouldn't mind accepting Bitcoin for their beef. So value for value exchange is what we started thinking about. And we built those on ramps to where, you know, the ranch can't accept Bitcoin and, you know, the Bitcoiners can basically trade value for value what they see fit for the beef. That's amazing. I wish we had more of that where I am. We've got, we need, we need to, uh, I'd happily part with some Bitcoin for some good grass fed beef. Well, you can, you can go to the beef initiative right now, beefinitiative.com and order some beef. I mean, we've been selling, we've already, we've got proof of work, man. We've been doing this for a couple of months. I haven't really advertised it. Um, we're, we've sold tens of thousands of dollars worth of, uh, regenerative grown good grass fed beef from, uh, of, you know, verified venture that, you know, we're in partnership and so we're, we're selling, I think we sold 25 boxes of beef yesterday. So Bitcoiners are, they're flooding in. So join them. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll check that out. Turn it over to uh, Q. You want to follow up a question? I'll check out, I'll order myself some beef here. Texas <laughs> uh, Slim, I kind of want to touch on a little bit of what we were talking about before we actually started going live. And you kind of mentioned a little bit about the ongoing issue with fertilizer costs. I'd love for you to just sort of right. share with all of us, maybe a what's going on and then how it's really impacting your guys' business. Well, that's the beautiful thing about uh, being regenerative. Once again, not relying on 
as many chemicals as a lot of people pull. We'll use fertilizer on the grasslands, and so they can they can have their grasslands for their cattle. Some people use just 100% compost. So, as far as fertilizer itself, a lot of people don't understand where a lot of the fertilizer comes from. Is China, Russia, Ukraine, places like that, to where. Uh, guess what? We predict in over a year that there's going to be some fertilizer shortages in the United States, and it's starting to become something that is playing out in real time. And so, with fertilizer shortages, we won't go down deep into it. It's it's basically happening. And I guess you could look at like last year, if you were going to do a couple of tons of fertilizer, you're paying around 200 a ton, I believe it was. I believe Cole with KNC Cattle the other day said it was about 1,200 a ton. So do the math on that. And that's where we are. And if you don't have fertilizer, well, let's look at the crops that we grow because all of our wheat, basically. Well, the wheat in the in the global wheat market right now, China owns six or has in possession 60% of the all wheat. Okay, so we don't have as much wheat as we used to. Last year's yields weren't as big. This year we're going into a drought. We, we don't have uh, as much planting. Winter wheat in a lot of sections of the country were, you know, they were basically destroyed or, you know, as losses. So you see a perfect storm of not being able to grow the grains that rely on that fertilizer, grain shortages coming. So a lot of people that do basically still have to operate under that umbrella of these chemical companies, you know, they're going to be hit the hardest. Uh, the small rancher or farmer doesn't rely on these chemicals chemical companies not going to be hit because they're doing things in a regenerative way and that's what the education needs to be about is we don't have to rely on these chemical companies anymore we can do a vertical integration back into our food supply that starts with the soil with no chemicals and we have a lot of ranchers across the united states that are doing that and that's a lot of the awareness that we're bringing the fertilizer shortages are out there, but if you're a true regenerative farmer rancher, you're not concerned about it because that's not one of your uh, basically inputs that you have to worry about. Are there any inputs right now that you guys are feeling an impact due to the ongoing issues, whether it's the supply chains, Vladimir Putin or whatever you want to blame it on? Is there some sort of strain that you guys are feeling? <laughs> Well, yeah, the fertilizer is already hitting up Go from $200 a ton to $1,200 a ton. Yeah, people are just not going to do it. Fertilizer is a big one right now. It's huge. And uh, it takes time for everybody to see it. It doesn't happen in real time. It's not like you see a glass of water and all of a sudden the water's gone. It's, it's a drip approach. I would say you're really going to see some impacts into the United States economy and with our food supply. You'll you'll definitely be, those be some pain times around September, October of this year. And as that happens, you're going to have a lot of people hoarding. You're going to have a lot of different people questioning where their food's coming from. So I say from here on May until uh, September of this year is going to be pretty loud of a, a awakening. And a lot of people are going to start really focusing on where their food truly comes from and the dependencies, how centralized it truly is and how we really don't have control over our food supply as citizens anymore. We used to, but they, the centralization of our industrial food complex took that away from us. And what we're really focusing on, just like, you know, we're building nodes of localized, hyper-localized communities that are that are sourcing their beef and their produce, you know, in a decentralized way that's very, very effective. And I don't, I don't look at the news anymore, man. I haven't watched TV in two years, so I don't know what's going on out there, man. I'm too busy building and innovating. I really don't, I, I'm eating the best I've ever eaten, man. I got plenty of beef. I got plenty of friends. I can go anywhere across this country right now and go shake somebody's hand and, you know, have a place to stay. It's because looking at our freaking food supply and we're not rent seeking into our basically our desires of that it tastes good we're looking about what nutrition is again and it's a kind of a lifestyle that i'm trying to get the big corners to really join up and i get it man a lot of people in the city i live in austin for most of my professional life and you know i was i was just as bad as not really sourcing my food in the, in the way i should have 
but people now in the Bitcoin community, and I, I like to say this, and it's not preaching, but if you're talking about Bitcoin and you're not talking about your food supply, you're missing a boat here a little bit. Because how can you complain about a decentralized and debased dollar and that your food is not as debased as that uh, money supply, which you're looking at the USD dollar, basically? I want to unpack something that you said where i think it was very interesting this isn't going to be just like the, the glass of water isn't just going to go empty it's going to be a slow and steady drip and you're anticipating this to really be mm -hmm. protracted until september-ish i'm not trying to like quote you on a date but talk to us a little bit about like i go to the grocery store i've already seen the cost of things going up very steadily over the last two years and so talk to me about like what sure. should i be expecting just from your perspective does this mean i'm gonna see this steady increase continue or is it gonna start to accelerate or be more subtle talk to me a little bit about like honestly i'm just trying to figure out do i need to run down to my butcher and buy so no, much oh that's cool <laughs> no <laughs> yeah I'm and it's a good question and nobody that's what i when i started writing the harvest of obsession man i had to look at things and i had to say where am i going where's my entry point into this understanding to where i can communicate it and you got to get to the source of the seed or your freaking nutrition first and if you can start looking at that that's going to give you a compass that you can kind of go for and you can look at that'll give you kind of a base layer of understanding of what we're up against right now so one you got to educate yourself on the 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 basically the centralized food system in which we have to operate and consume our food. You know, whenever you check yourself and say, the only reason I ate today was because of a chemical company. And that is the truth. You know, that is the truth. Most of our food in the United States is basically approved by a, fit, uh, a chemical company that is actually, you know, uh, approved by the FDA, which is a joke anymore. So if you, if you look at it like that, say, I'm going to look at what the source of the seed of my nutrition is, you kind of get a start and you can come and you can read my basically the newsletter. There's plenty of information out there. But to be somebody in your position that's saying this city, what you need to do is I tell everybody, hey, go shake a freaking rancher's hand and go up to him and say, I want to know everything about you and how can I help you? I want to help spread the word of who you are. Okay, somebody in this city. It's not going to be able to do that. I'm asking people to come into the beef initiative. We're getting a crowdsourced index to where people are, if they're already using somebody, if they're in Manhattan and they're using somebody in New York State, come and bring your information, put it into the beef initiative so people can start that and you can contact these ranchers that are out there and we're bringing them into the beef initiative. As far as the grocery store, I don't go to the grocery store that much anymore. Maybe once or twice a month, man. I have I've got a full cow and four freezers. And so, you know, I eat beef, man. I don't eat a bunch of other stuff, honestly. And I'm not like this hardcore carnivore. I eat bacon and eggs and beef and I'll eat some some vegetables and stuff like that. But you find whatever kind of point your compass in this direction, you're for nothing man it's going to change and you're not gonna i don't when i go to the grocery store i don't go to the middle aisles unless i'm getting salt and pepper and coffee man and beyond that i hit the outside <laughs> aisles because all that stuff in the middle is trash it's complete trash and a lot of people you start you know you start noticing what food is and what food is not and, and basically all the fake commodities that they've injected into our food supplies you, you just awareness and once again this is not a freaking judgment and we're all guilty of this but once you understand especially a bitcoin or once you understand these decentralization and store of value and first principles you're going to start wondering why am i eating this crap anymore so and i'm not a nutritionist man i'm not a diet guy i'm not a <laughs> fitness guy i'm just a dude that grew up in texas around cattle Hey, you may not be a diet or nutrition guy, but we all have a diet. We've all got, you know, everybody has their nutritional habits. And I happen to agree with you. The only thing I've had today yeah. is a piece of piece of salmon. I eat a lot of meat, but I like food that comes from the ground, food that is ingredients, not food that has chemicals and preservatives. You know, you find that you don't need to eat as much, or at least I do. You have one good, you know, a good steak a day, like you're, you'll be all right. You'll be just fine. My, 
just as anecdotal, but my, my great grandparents were farmers. They lived both past a hundred years old. They ate one meal a day, a good homegrown meal. Mm -hmm. That was it. And they're healthy as can be. Pretty much. It's so true. Well, you look at, I mean, you look at the whole history of the pyramid and just, I mean, it's just fascinating to follow. It's so easy to see how screwed up it is. And like you said, once you get on like a protein diet, like eating steak and stuff, which I do every day, um, you do, you eat once you eat every 20 hours and you, you're not hungry. I mean, you have plenty of strength, you have, I mean, you don't even think about food like a lot of people do and have to do because a lot of people don't understand. Let me get some, you know, some percentages here. 78% of, you know, people in the United States are either obese or overweight. One out of two of us is diabetic. That's because of our freaking consumption models. And that consumption model means, yeah, it means food, but it also means freaking audio and video and content. And a lot of the marketing out there, a lot of the misinformation is directly against you in making you confused about what's food anymore. And it's done by these global corporations that are doing this one world food group. It's not a lie anymore. It's happening. And, you know, there's an industry shift that's going on within our food industry. And just like they did in the early 70s, it's going to hit big time and people aren't prepared for it. So if you, if you look at as far as an industry shift in your food supply, and most of our food supply is industrial, you have to have new industry. So these factories that are burning up as far as processing centers across the United States. What this is, is an industry shift to basically start processing food in a different way. And they're going to say it's because we're going to save the planet. And they're, they're basically going to have a war on uh, meat, which they're already doing. And they're going to say that animal protein is bad for you, which they've already been doing for years. And for the same amount of decades that they've been telling us that beef is bad for you, we've gone to where we are basically metabolically bankrupt. And that's because we're following that food pyramid. Our bodies do not understand what nutrition is anymore. And so there'll be food supply uh, shortages, but there's also going to be a nutritional starvation that we're doing to ourselves and we're doing to our children right now. And people may need to wake the hell up because it's happening. And 46% of our children in the United States now are obese for weight between the ages of five and 11. Most of that happened during COVID and the shift is happening within food. And if you're going to go random into tasting food and you know basically eating it because it tastes good and understanding what nutrition is you're going to keep on consuming this consumption model that's going to lead to a shorter lifespan it's that simple and if you can't see it you got your eyes closed i think one of the best lessons i ever learned and i shout out my dear friend mary Izzo, who taught me this like six years ago now but to what Texas Slim has been saying, I know his internet's been a little spotty, so in case you missed it, the biggest takeaway for those of you who are city dwellers like myself, the grocery store is literally designed to poison you with every aisle that's in the middle of the store. If you only grocery shop on the outside of the store, where all the refrigerated stuff is, where the produce is, where the butcher section, the beef are, where the bakery is. That's where the non-processed foods are because that's where they need to be refrigerated. Um, I just wanted to re-emphasize that because that was a huge learning lesson for me on my journey to like stop eating processed foods and like really understand what's in a food label. Um, and I will not get off of this horse until Joe Consorti stops posting pictures of his damn monster energy drinks. Those things are just fucking poison. Hey, I'm excited, Texas Slim. Me and Chris just ordered our first boxes from y'all. So looking forward to uh, try awesome. this. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited, man. What's the uh, so where does it come from? The stuff on the website? Do you do you uh, do you have a hand in that ranching or is that uh, just? Yeah, how does it work? That's basically it's a partnership that I formed. Yeah, that, that was a partnership that I formed with uh, Casey Adler down there in uh, right south of Boston. And so what we did, we went in there and I basically, you know, I go out and I meet ranchers. And I, I'm, you know, basically, it's Mr. Cole Bolton. Uh, he's a great, he's like a fourth generation rancher here in the state of Texas. But what we did was we came to an early understanding collectively, understanding that Bitcoin is going to be a base layer value for the renter. And so 
we kind of orange pill coal and then we said, let's start selling this beef. And what we're doing, I'll say it again, we're doing a vertical integration into human health again, and we're doing it with the American rancher. So Cole and I have partnered up and basically from the soil to the grass, to the cow, to the producer, to the processor, to the supplier, we are in one of those touch points now collectively as a partnership. So there's nobody, nobody can tell us, we don't have to ask permission. We've done everything we're supposed to do as far as USDA in the state of Texas. We have our own processing center now. We don't have to rely on JBS, Cargill, National, and Hudson to process our animal protein. So that's what's moving forward in the state of Texas. And part of the beef initiative as well is that we're now advising people in the state of Texas, if you want to open up a microprocessor in the state of Texas, the gateway will be coming through the Beef Initiative Association because we have proof of work. We have USDA precedents. And so by doing that, we're decentralizing our beef supply in the state of Texas, and we're trying to bring it to every state across the United States. And so those are those nodes that we're building. And it started with basically where we're, we're providing you guys right now that is regenerative beef. It's the best beef in the world, and you can pay with Bitcoin or you can pay with fiat. So we know exactly where the cow come from. We know the, the cow's life. We know what all the, the grasslands that those cows raised the soil that it did help regenerate so we know every touch point of that cattle's life and every touch point of the cattle as it was processed every touch of the a touch point of that beef that is being shipped to you it was just coal and i nobody else what is your favorite i i'm now i feel pressured into buying one of these boxes and i'm genuinely <laughs> looking at all of them i have two questions for you man you have to <laughs> I, I might as well ask you while i've got you on the show but like for example I actually, so I'm Persian. When you make Persian kebab, you're supposed to use a higher uh, ground beef sort of uh, fat to beef ratio just so that it sticks to the skewer. So I'm sure. genuinely curious, what is that ratio on the ground beef that you guys have? Man, it, it depends on the cow. I mean, for everybody going that 80, 20% and everything, <laughs> you get two different, you know, it's usually, I love a lot of high fat content. And that's one thing about Cole, which is so great. He does regenerative and he does grain finish, but we grain finish this non-GMO grain that we know exactly where it came from. It is as clean as grain as you can get. So his beef has got the fat content. So I, I would say, you know, we're, we're around 78% beef and then 20, 30% on that fat. Do not quote me because I don't no. know, man. I don't look at those percentages and I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I love a fatty meat, man. That's, that's why I love Cole as far as the protocol raising the beef. What's your favorite cut of a cow? Oh man, there's, it's unlimited. There's, uh, you, whenever you go into this type of uh, understanding of that, you know, what do they sell for cuts in the supermarkets these days? And there's going to be over, you know, 20 different types of cuts. I mean, there's a Picanha cut, there's the Denver. The Denver cut is a really cool one. It's uh, basically a lot of people don't know what it is. They never even heard of it. And it's, a, it's an inexpensive piece of meat, you know, it's not going to be like your tomahawk ribeye, but if you're really going to ask me, my favorite, I mean, I'm from Texas, man, it's a T-bone. <laughs> but, you know, you get your fillets, you get your pecanias, you get your Denver cuts, you get your sirloins, you get your cowboy ribeyes, you get flat, you get iron. There's so many things. It, and once you've had regenerative beef, you'll never eat another uh, slab of meat from the supermarket ever again. They do it's because you're in a pinch. <laughs> do you uh do you hunt as well at all? Oh, I grew up hunting. Uh, where I grew up, we're about four hours from the mountains where I grew up, in uh, that's the Southern Rockies out in New Mexico. And so we grew up uh, hunting deer. Yeah, I used to elk hunt with my buddy that I grew up with. So yeah, we've done hog hunts, deer hunts, mules, white tails. Yeah, I was living in Albuquerque a few years ago. We always ago, had we always had venison. Uh, oh, go ahead. ahead. Continue. Yeah, you had a lot of venison venison growing up. No, yeah, we we just yeah we had a lot of venison. We made a lot of sausage and everything like that. I mean, 
how I was raised in this part of Texas, you all had a, a, a freezer full of beef. It's just what you had. And then you have your hunting seasons and you always had your venison. You had your, your elk, if you were lucky. You know, you had your hog. And so it was, it's very common. And that's what I'm trying to make fun of people, basically educate and bring some awareness is this is not that difficult. This is where we came from. This is what was the norm. As we centralized our food more and more, we a lot of people got away from hunting, of course, and a lot of people got away from even understanding what real beef is. Or even look at the poultry market. I mean, it's been so captured for so many years. You look at these chickens now, man. Seriously, you think that's a real chicken? You know, how much, how much <laughs> those things are huge. And that is not because it's a natural damn chicken. The chicken's only 30 days old, and here we are off the harvest. People really do not understand what food is, and they basically are doing this because of the labeling systems are so corrupt. You know, the organic, the grass-fed, everything that you look at these days, you do not know where that food came from. And so, you know, that's why hunting, you know, of course, you know where the food came from. And uh, I'll, I'll eat any type of... Uh, uh, game out there, that's for sure. I'm also kind of curious, Texas Slim, like I know we, we've talked a lot about beef and you, you've brought up now just like the way too large breasted chickens that KFC's farms have like wandering around, like curious as to what other types of meats you or your family or your team have ever like explored going down, uh, both growing mm -hmm. and trying to like live off of. Well, it's, I have this conversation a lot. I love lamb. You know, lamb is awesome. Yes. It's That's my, my favorite. Favorites as well. I've been on the world a couple of times. I've had some great lamb in different places, man, by far. And my local producer here, his name's Dustin. Um, I just got a quarter of a cow from him, but he does sheep and he does fowl and hog. And so there's a good variety that a lot of these ranchers and also slash animal producers those are the big ones I see definitely is uh, lamb is, is one of the best things. And it's really good because if you can't be a rancher, if you can't be, you know, a cattleman, you can be, you can basically raise sheep and, you know, lamb are awesome for the ground too, as far as the soil, I'm sorry. And, and so sheep, you see a lot of uh, sheep coming back to the state of Texas and there's big, big uh, movements to get back into lamb. I see that something being very, prominent especially in the bitcoin space because it's going to be a little bit more doable and uh, to, to store the land is easier and steward lamb uh the sheep as well is a little bit different than having a bunch of cattle yeah there's some uh my mom actually facilitated there's like a local you know a finished landfill so you got a big grassy area and rather than pay people to mow it we just brought in one shepherd and a hundred goats and they would just mm -hmm. come rotate out through the season yeah. and eat down all the grass. It's great. I mean, and that's 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 right there. That's poetic. I mean, that's that's where we came from, man. That's why this country used to be like an oasis. I mean, every geographical point system in this country was fascinating as far as you know the nature involved, the soil that we had basically developed, you know, in the Midwest of bison, how the you know the Native Americans lived off of that land. You know, everything that we've done to the land is just the destruction of the beautiful, you know, the, the beautiful place that we did have. And for now, for people to be in the regenerative uh, movement like I am and you know, especially Bitcoiners and for to be called something else, you know, because we're, you know, domestic terrorists, if we're, we're fighting against the globalists and everything like that, if people really understood what freaking soul was and where we actually came from you know the narrative wouldn't fly the the psyop and the propaganda is so strong right now that people are that confused that yeah you can put some goats on a pasture and it's going to regrow the soil and that that general understanding is not really really known chris you have any uh questions comments no, I'm just taking it in, you know, uh, like Alex, in. I'm buying a box as we speak, uh, from the beef initiative, uh, get it shipped to me. Uh, you guys but... are all right, man. Hey, did you <laughs> buy the oh, I was just going to say, I got the steak lovers. We're going to try that first. <laughs> I think I'm trying the prime box. It looked pretty good, like a decent amount of beef and, uh, there you go. To try it out here. Yeah. We'll drop the website in the chat. So people hey, are also, watching. So we just did this weekend. 
Yeah, do it. Uh, one thing we were doing as well is we did like a 20 pound uh, ground beef box. Okay. I think that comes up, uh, it's $105, I think, in USD. So if you did 20 pounds, that's a hell of a lot cheaper to start the supermarket. And everybody that comes out here and says, well, I, I don't buy beef from my rancher because it's more expensive. They're, you're actually, it's not true. Eat less. I spend less money on food now than I ever have. It is because I source my animal protein the way I do it through my system of the beef initiative. So price is not a big thing if you understand how much you actually waste on the basically random purchasing your food. And, you know, the one box you guys didn't buy, and I'm going to expect the next one is the, the Texas Limbs Top Hand Beef Box. That's a, that's a beauty, man. <laughs> Look at that. It's got some beef in there. Texas Slim Top Hand Beef Box. I'm checking that out. Oh, that's got the tomahawk. Ooh, that's tempting. <laughs> Yeah, that's got a big, yeah, it's, you're going to get it. One of these days, you're going to get it, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate you guys getting in there and doing this today. That, I mean, that's what we need. We need big winners in here. Everybody wants to work. We've got it. And, you know, people are coming along, and we're building these nodes across the United States, and it's going to be about decentralizing our, our freaking food. And everybody talks about it all the time as far as proof of work. Well, let's get some proof of work. Let's start sourcing our food in the ways that Bitcoin is bringing it to the table. This is, this is a collective effort, man. This is crowdsourcing, you know, a new movement into where we're going as far as Bitcoiners. And we're just getting started with Beef Initiative. I mean, we're about to have a couple of processing centers online in the state of Texas. Our volume is going to go through the roof. And we're, we're going to feed as many people as we can who wants to eat the right type of beef. And, you know, it's, it's moved fast, but I mean, our foundation and where we are as far as offering and the education that we're doing with the ranchers, the conferences that we're having across the United States, this, this is becoming something that's a little bit bigger than we thought in the beginning, but we're ready for to kind of take over this year in the merits of our Colorado conferences in July. We're announcing that with formal tickets, I guess, on Friday. And then we've got other partnerships with uh, regenerative people like White Pastures out in Georgia, uh, Will Harris. We're going to have a conference out there in September. And so there's a lot of people that we're bringing to space. We're going to have, we had our first conference in Kerrville this, uh, on the 23rd. And we had like nine really great speakers. So we're getting the Bitcoin community in. As far as speaking, education, we're bringing ranchers in. So it's where ranchers are meeting Bitcoiners. You know, none of your business. He came to the conference and he said, you had Bitcoiners, orange pilling ranchers, and you had ranchers, ranch pilling Bitcoiners. And it was a perfect phrase because that's exactly what's going on here is that we're bridging the gap. And a lot of people starting to figure it out that, you know, a Bitcoiner thinks like a rancher and a rancher thinks like a Bitcoiner. So let's innovate with that type of understanding awareness. We're great. Yeah, Texas absolutely. Slim, you got anything to say to vegans? Feel free to look directly <laughs> at the camera and just tell vegans how stupid they are. <laughs> well, you know, one thing about that is, you know, vegans are very idealistic and I bless their hearts because, you know, I, I would them well, but, but, you know, we didn't come from eating, you know, we didn't eat the grass. We ate the, the animals that ate the grass. You know, that's the process of getting true protein that you need. Um, being a vegan right now, you have to be very wealthy to pull off and being able to pull it off. If you're still buying your produce, and I don't care if it's Whole Foods or if it's, uh, you know, Central Market in Austin, you know, you're not getting the best produce that you can get. And if you just generally buy through supermarkets and you're, you're a vegan, well, you, you look at those labels and see how much genetically modified crap is in that. Look at how many chemicals such as, you know, uh, all the seed oils you're consuming. Seed oils being raised, soybean oils, everything that basically has gotten us are basically bankrupt. I mean, it. I, I bless your heart, man. You're not going to make it because the only thing that you can really rely on right now, especially in our country, is to kind of be sovereign. And the best way to be sovereign is with pure animal protein. <laughs> so, I mean, I saw a picture the other day. You bring this up. It was uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. And it was a 
picture of him, I guess, a year ago, and he, he went vegan. You go take a look at him now, a year, and you're starting to see this pattern. All these Hollywood people, all these woke people and everything, they're turning into this veganism, but we're looking like they're going through nutritional starvation is what it looks like. So that's what I think about vegans. Bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I don't do whatever you want with your time and your life, but I don't think it's a very healthy or sustainable. And I don't think it's as uh, cruelty free as they think it is. We were talking about this yesterday, how, uh, you know, when you uh, no. run a combine through a field, you're, it's a massacre of the, the little ecosystems that popped up there. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, you want to talk about millions of animals that are basically even right now because planting season is moving forward within the model cropping system, millions and millions of filled animals die from foxes to, you know, mice, of course, rabbits, birds. I mean, it's unlimited. The amount of destruction, this monocropping is happening and they're basically upping the volume on monocropping. And they're, they're now basically going all vegetarian with the, the fake meat commodity that they're going with. And it's, if, if you're a vegan and you're a vegetarian and you're looking at it because of animal cruelty, well, go look in the damn mirror. Pig got proof. I mean, it's not a psyop. It's not a conspiracy theory. The amount of the animals that do basically get destroyed every year is phenomenal. And the general public does not know that. Here's my unpopular opinion. <laughs> you can do whatever the fuck you want. You want to eat bugs? You want to eat the freaking grass that grows on my front lawn? You know what? Fine. Axel Fuzz, you are welcome to the grass of my fr parents' front lawn. Like, <laughs> my issue with all of this shit is the idea or notion that your perspective or your perspective or your perspective is better than someone else's. The idea that we have to have this collective diet, in my opinion, is what led us down this path to where we were told, hey, just buy this Lunchable for your kid or buy this sugary cereal for breakfast. Like, here's some microwave dinner so you don't have to cook and you don't have to worry about it because we created this collectivist diet when, in fact, my body reacts differently to beer than most other people's. My body reacts differently to spicy food than other people or to beef than other people. And so I make those judgment calls. And this collectivist idea that everyone needs to do this is what, in my opinion, leads us down these wrong paths. And also I'm getting really fucking sick of people telling me how to live my life. But that's just my mini rant. Sorry, needed to be done. No, I mean, no, thank you. I mean, I'm glad you did. I don't get to, I, I don't just tell you either, but you're not gonna basically still nutrition of my children and you're not gonna weaponized food against me because I put my foot down and I say I'm sick of it. And so by saying that, you know, me as an individual, I'm going to say, well, I know I'm going to understand what food is again, kind of my grandfather taught me. And I'm going to go back to that because we were a hell of a lot healthier back then. You want to do your vegetarian and you want to do the vegan. That is your choice, man. Go for it. But don't you come at me and don't you step up on me saying that you're going to bring some type of conspiracy about how we're destroying the freaking planet and that a cow is carbon hazard. Well, right there, you just lost all respect from where I stand because you're living in a lie until you're ready to get rid of that brain fog that has got you to that point. Then, you know, then, you know, do whatever you're going to do, which is, is fascinating because I want everybody to consume whatever they're going to consume because I know the people that are going with the consumption model basically as what the beef initiative is, is regenerative, pure animal protein, that we're going to survive and work that we're going to win this crap too. Because people are going to understand that with this movement, the food injury shift is that they're going to become even more unhealthier. And we're going to start seeing that within that, there's going to be a balance of awareness and awareness and people are going to say, yeah, we have been lied to. And they're going to change the ways. The models will change. And if they don't, then they'll sit on their asses and they'll watch TV and they'll consume. So I think we got a bit of a lag. We're cutting out there a little bit, but I heard the, I heard the majority of it. So where do, you see, where do you see this network going maybe five, ten years down the line? We just had, it looks like we're going to 
hike interest rates another 50 basis points. Chris, is that right? We just had the, do you pay attention to what's going on in the micro uh, macro environment, excuse me, in the United States, or you just stay in your lane here? Yeah, no, we're, we're looking at everything. I'm actually next week. I'm having a, like a, I call it the Texas slam signal on my uh, podcast and we're going to do something like a 30 minute Calibre. and we, we look at the global and we look at the uh, the micro macro as far as commodities beef and everything where i see this going uh and i'll just stay with i'll stay with beef right now is within the beef uh industry you're gonna see them turning beef into caviar they're gonna price the common man out of beef in a way to where they're you know we're inflated you know, we're hyper inflation within their food system is already here especially if it has anything to do with pure animal protein they're going to price that out of most people's markets and they'll supplement that animal protein with this new fake meat industry they'll do it in certain ways a lot of people won't be paying attention to and so by saying that um you know yeah i pay attention to it but i don't have to pay attention to it as much as all the parrots out there that that's all they do is they don't go and they don't find solutions and they just keep on talking about how bad it is. Well, you know, one the once you kind of follow this protocol, like within the beef initiative of what we're doing and you focus and you're saying how this network grows, we've got people doing this in Colorado. We've got people doing this in Missouri. We've got people doing it in Oklahoma. They're following the beef initiative. The beef initiative is already spreading out across the United States. And I'm just now starting to basically let everybody know that we can do this just like we do the Bitcoin meetups. We're doing the, the, the ranch meetups. I might hit the road in June and travel all the way up into the Colorado conference and just follow basically a path of Bitcoin meetups and bringing ranchers into those Bitcoin meetups. And those people that go to these Bitcoin meetups are going to have access to that beef and it's going to be local. And so it, this is going to catch fire this year. This is happening and we're going to decentralize our animal protein in the, it's going to start in the Bitcoin world. That's why I chose the Bitcoin space, Bitcoin Twitter to do all this because I knew that basically corners would help us spread out these nodes of networks and it's happening and it's happening pretty fast. Absolutely. Uh, Texas Slim, I have to hop, but these two gentlemen will finish up the interview with you. It was a pleasure to meet you today, and I hope we can uh, work together in the future. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. I cannot believe Alex. Hey, thanks for buying that box, man. Yeah, no worries. I'm sure I'll get get more down the line. (laughs) I can't wait to taste it, man. (laughs) I'll see you all later. I need to reiterate this. Yeah, let me know how it goes. Alex has left us because he doesn't want to talk to us anymore and he wants to go on a different podcast. Cannot stress how disrespected I feel. That's fine. More to come from this. Anyways, Texas Slam. Uh, We've talked veganism. We've talked a lot about the work you guys are doing. Talk to us about what comes next. What happens? You know, how does this scale out? Do you guys look to expand or do you guys look to orange pill? I I don't know if orange pill is the right word, but maybe like, I'm going to say red for like a rare or medium rare cut, but like red right. pill. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Like, how do we get more farmers to yeah. replicate well, this around the country? That's a good question. It is, it's a slow roll, man. It has to come with a lot of time preference. And where that starts is education. You don't go up to a rancher and say, hey, do you accept Bitcoin? You have to know how to talk to a rancher. You have to really gain some respect. And then you kind of discover everything about them and why they do what they do. You had that conversation with them. You know, the division of interpersonal communication in the United States right now and in the world is horrible. People don't know how to go up and talk to people anymore. And so that's what I said from the very beginning is I'm going to go shake a Andrew's hand. Okay, not everybody can do that, like I said before. But what you can do is you can come through the beef initiative and how this network grows is just like Bitcoin grow. It's growing symbiotically with Bitcoin because every Bitcoin meetup should be talking about their food and they should be talking about animal protein. And throughout you know, the next year, like I said, we're having four national conferences this year. There was a lot of people that came from 13 different states to that conference. And so we're building those nodes of understanding 
um, for this year, what we're going to do is we're providing education to the ranchers. There's going to be a webinar series that we'll do that speaks definitely directly to the rancher and the why of Bitcoin first. By doing that, we've developed basically an online e-commerce system that we can sell to any rancher that wants to come through the beef initiative. We're going to start offering the e-commerce services. We're saying, let's get you up to speed. Let's get you orange pill and basically We'll ranch pilling. I like that ranch pilling. So we'll ranch pill Bitcoiners, and so we'll do this together, man. This is this is crowdsourcing. This is an open source. This is an open source network building. Basically, I like to say it's going to be based on sound money, sound health, sound communications for a sound future. And so that's that's basically our mantra this year. Is this is how we're going to do it. Once again, if you're in Bitcoin and you're not looking at your food supply and how you access your food supply, you're kind of, you're going to get behind. But what happens, what happens in Manhattan and we go through some type of shortage, Manhattan clears out in three days. And if you're somebody that's in Manhattan and knows how to source your animal protein and you're kind of being proactive, you don't have to buy a full cow, but you can have a month's supply of beef and it's, it helps your pocketbook. You don't stress about all this noise out there all these distractions about what's going on with our food supply you take action and you help out and you contribute if you're going to you know if you're attending podcasts you know let's bring in the discussion of our pure animal protein the beef initiative and once we all start doing that it just scales every little community across the united states you know we've got a couple of guys in missouri all town Missouri, man, they're already feeding their local community. Dairy, beef, fowl, eggs. I mean, it's catching on and they're creating these little food sheds. And so there's a lot to catch up on within the Bitcoin community to say, hey, we need to catch up with these decentralized food producers that are actually been here all the time. Let's go talk to them. Let's educate them about Bitcoin. And you just don't go up there and you, you let them know the line first. And then after we let them know the why, they're going to understand. And then we can kind of do that transformation in that adoption period. 2022 is going to be a huge adoption period for transactional Bitcoin and understanding the store value. Right now, like on your website, I can pay in Bitcoin. Are you guys utilizing the Lightning Network? Is this on-chain? Talk to us a little bit about sort of how you yeah, guys... Yeah, this is... Yeah. Yeah, we're right now, we're, we can, in, in, in the future, we're going to partner, partner up with uh, the OSHI app, it's too, because the OSHI is a rewards program, and uh, it's a kick-ass app, and it's evolving fast, it's that'll perfect for the ranchers, and you can use, we use open node BTC Pay, we do, you know, it's on the Lightning Network for sure, we're going to have our own personal node in Texas, we're connecting those nodes, that's under development right now, as we are basically, you know, on the Lightning Network, how we're going to do as the Lightning nodes build, so do the beef nodes. And so transactionally, we'll basically, you know, you have to have your wallet. It's just like any transaction. You go there, you got a blue wallet, you know, you're on the Lightning Network, you can use it and you, you pay and it's, it's as easy as that. It's, it's very simple. We're not doing it by KYC. You would have to have your email address. You know, so we can ship your dang beef. We have to have your address, of course. But, you know, as far as going into this adoption period, transactional Bitcoin, it's all over the place. But I think we've got down and we have a very good roadmap with uh, partnerships with like OSHI, you know, BTC Pays coming out with, a, you know, some releases. Let's see the integration into, you know, all these other uh, payment applications and it'll take care of itself. But right now it, it, it's basically as easy as it gets. We like to take all that friction away from this. And that's what the biggest intimidation that a lot of people have is the friction that is involved with, you know, paying with Bitcoin. Love that. We've posted the link so that any of you guys who are watching, it's in our uh, chat box over on the side. We'll post it one more time for you guys in Texas Slim. Uh, for our audience members who want to keep up to date with all the stuff that you're doing, where is the best place for them to uh, keep up with you? Yeah, just you know, on Twitter it's at Modern T Man. Um, you can uh, you can do that. Beefinitiative.com. Uh, that's really the best informative place you can go. Slash my Twitter, and then we have our uh, Beef Initiative Twitter account too. It's at Beef Initiative, 
and on Telegram, it's at Beef Initiative. So there's a lot of good chats going on. There's a lot of good, uh, you know, conversations. We're bringing in chefs. We're bringing in recipes. We're bringing in cuts of the cow, like you brought up earlier. We're bringing in, actually, here pretty quick, you know, Beef Initiative, we're going to be talking about, you know, how do you how do you tame cattle in the, in the Bitcoin space? And so uh, there's a lot of stuff that's coming down the pipe, man. And uh, stay tuned to me there's a lot of announcements that are happening friday next week uh i encourage everybody man you guys the bitcoiners have been great so far we're kind of slow into you know buying beef with bitcoin and if you don't want to spend your bitcoin i don't want to spend my bitcoin but i want the ranchers to be able to get bitcoin so you know go you pay fiat or you pay bitcoin and you spread the word talk to your families you know there's a newsletter you can go to check it out and Texas newsletter. There's a lot of good education there. There's like about a book volume in there by now. Everything that I've written about food intelligence. You know, we come with uh, proof and we come with work. Now we're we're you know giving proof of work to everybody. So I appreciate you guys and you know this is good to have these conversations and get some more awareness in the Bitcoin community. Awesome. Well, guys, make sure you give Texas Slim a follow. And if you like us, want to eat as much meat that's really you know, you know what's going into your food and then you know what you're putting in your food. Make sure you check out uh, what him and his team have available.